Welcome to Try and Days of the Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorris. With us is Dr. Juliet Engel, author of Sparky, Surviving Sex Magic, her memoir of being sold as a child into the CIA sex magic cult in its mind control program called Monarch, Angels Over Moscow, Life, Death, and Human Trafficking in Russia, and her new book, Moscow Traffic, a novel, Russian history told as a romance wrapped in a crime thriller that exposes the roots of a vast Russian human trafficking network through the eyes of Seattle forensic psychologist Peter Stone as he travels to Moscow in search of his missing lover, opera star Carolyn Luke. And now, Chris Milligan. Thank you, Bruce, very much. And and thank you, Juliet, for, for coming on and uh, spending some time. Life is very, very interesting. And like I said a little earlier before we started recording, uh, this is a, an election year and we can be expected to uh, hear all kinds of different things. Uh, you know, I, I was really... Uh, quite amazed when you when you first contacted me about your first book and then I learned more and more and I says wow you know this is an amazing woman that's had lots of experience that can help us understand uh the perfidy uh, that we live in and then I have to go back to you know a lot what started me on this uh, journey here uh, uh, my father and a professor from Vanderbilt uh, you know taking me in a room and telling me some things I didn't understand. And, you know, my, my dad was a, it was a spook. He was in uh, the COI, OSS, and G2, and CIA. And he had left the CIA and was, was kindly asked to leave uh, because he wouldn't be involved with the drug running. But one of the things that, that really intrigued me in this uh, talk that uh, my dad had with me, and it took me a long time to get my head around you know he said the vietnam war is about drugs there's these secret societies and then he says and communism's all a sham these same secret societies are behind it all it's all a big game also just a little preamble i i i really see because of the internet the secret societal level of control has been reduced and once it gets reduced you end up with more uh, control at the sovereign country level. And then also you have another element in between the secret societies and the sovereign countries, and that's criminal gangs. So one thing that's happening here is us poor people, Americans and Russians, are used as cat's paws in this game to you know, control our future. I'm so glad that we have somebody, you know, because I've never been to Russia. As Americans, you know, uh, we tend to think of, I really think we tend to think of Russia as, you know, um, still looking like some bombed out World War II black and white movie, which it is not. I mean, the Russians are, are, are very good people. And Juliet, uh, you know, why did you write your three books? What, what's been your journey here? Well, I'm a physician, and I got invited to go to Moscow in 1990. I didn't realize at the time that I was an MK Ultra survivor or that the people that were inviting me actually had known my uncle, who's one of the founders of the NSA. So I come out of this 
this family of OS, they're all OSS, CIA, NSA um, operatives who put me in this program along with others of my cousins who I've connected with since I wrote the book. But at the time I wrote the book, I'd been in Russia for 20 years. I've been sort of propelled into this world of um, human trafficking, just pulled in and, and not really realizing that I'd been a human trafficking victim myself. But it just made me so angry to see it uh, in Russia, where, where children are being uh, sold out of orphanages, sold at birth, uh, recruited as they as they leave government institutions and brought into prostitution. And um, my experience of working with trafficking victims in Russia brought me right back to the realization, like, why am I doing this? Why can't I remember anything from the past? Who are these people in my family? Who is my mysterious uncle who tried to leave the NSA and the whole family knew he was murdered? And and um, who am I in all this? And that's that's how I started writing Sparky and was really inspired by Kathy O'Brien, who I've since gotten to know the work that she did and, and her uncovering documents that had been released by the CIA and during the church commission hearings in 1976. Reading through those, I, I couldn't find a direct link to myself, but it was when I got into my family history and who these people were that I had no idea I was related to or descended from that it all started making a lot of sense. The sense is that there are families that basically dwell in secret societies and put their firstborn, I think it is their firstborn children, looks like that, from other family members into MKUltra programs. And then the rest of the family gets a gets a lot of benefit out of that. Not wow. necessarily the one that's put in. That, that's um, chilling. You know, that that's really chilling what what you're what you're saying there. And, you know, I've been looking at this a long time, and, and we are dealing with a lot of multi-generational milieus. It's multi-generational, and my family can trace it all the way back. I've gotten back to about 800 AD, and uh, they're still doing the same things. And interestingly, I, I can say all this without a lot of emotion now, because I've been through the emotion, and the, writing Sparky was a terribly difficult thing. All my life, I'd been told if I revealed any of these secrets, I would be instantly killed. And my parents were so afraid of that, that as soon as I started asking them questions, like, what really happened to me? You know, who were these people? Where was I? You know, why was I always taken away at Christmas? They took off, went to Mexico, and I never saw them again. So something was something was not right. But since I've written Sparky... A lot of people have come to me and with similar stories. And when we trace back the family lines, it turns out they're related to me. So we're we're coming out of this, this uh, identifiable line that actually orig seems to originate, at least in my case, and the people I've talked to with the Ruriks, who were the ruling dynasty of Russia from 800 to about uh, 1500, from 800 AD to 1500 AD. It was the uh, longest ruling dynasty in the history of the world, or in right. the eight history of the world, and and they they formed they created all the modern heads of Europe, all the the Plantagenets, all these all these lines came out of this one line. They seemed to carry this whatever it is with them. Did, did they uh, did they have in their crest? Did they have a two headed eagle or a one headed eagle? 
Okay, here's something that's really interesting. The Rurik's, it's they were in Kiev. Mm-hmm. Kiev was where uh, they started. That's where Rus was founded. They were the uh, family that Christianized Russia and defeated the Hazars, who were forced to become Jews. Right. So you have your Ashkenazi Jews being created by the Rurik dynasty of Russia, who then Christianized Russia and and destroyed what they were what they call the White Temple, which they're now trying to rebuild. I, I haven't figured all this out yet. I don't know if I ever will, but um, the the symbol is the you know that little trident that you see in everything Ukrainian looks like a little three pronged trident. You know what that actually is? That is actually the Holy Spirit. It's the dove coming descending to earth. It's the two wings and the head of the dove and the body of the dove. And that was the symbol of the Rurik's was the Holy Spirit coming to earth because they Christianized Russia. So then the, the Hazarians taking that as, as a symbol, turning it almost into a, a Nazi symbol, basically, is a corruption of the Holy Spirit. Well, so. there's, a, there's a lot of corruption out there. And I, I started studying uh, CIA drugs, okay? And, you know, I was first into studying the, the importation of the narcotics and, and all of that stuff. And then I got onto what I call CIA drugs, the dark side which is the, the MK Ultra and all of that. And, you know, uh, the quote-unquote official stories are, well, you know, we didn't start thinking about this until the, the bishop in Hungary in 54 and uh, the Korean War. But uh, when you look at it, it, it goes back a lot farther. I, I would look at it and I'd say, okay, Bluebird, and they called it Operation Bluebird, and that was basically <laughs> uh, from uh, Metrolink's play, okay, because, you know, Basic mind control is first about trance, okay? Because trance affects everybody differently. And then you have role-playing and ritual and trauma. And where, where was Metrolink's play first put on? It was put on in Moscow in 1906. And the same time you had Pavlov doing his dogs. And then you also had Stanislavski doing you know, the actor's method, which is a, a form of mind control. And what, you know, what my dad was saying was there's some truth to that in that the, these secret societies were working together against us people, okay, to, to basically to, you know, control the masses. And I don't know, you know, some, they, they create all this uh, backstory that, you know, uh, to give them, uh, rationale to be rulers over us, but I find it all spacious. And the courage that you had in Russia to go there and set up a, an organization to, to help the people who've been trafficked, it, it's just amazing what you've done, Juliet. It really is. And I really appreciate allowing Trine Day to, to publish your books because they're very important for people to read, to, to understand the total situation. Because a lot of times we get caught in thinking, well, this is the corruption over here, but it, it's really, it's, it's, it's bigger than we can imagine and see sometimes. Yeah, it goes way back. And with my new book, Moscow Traffic, I want, I was inside the, the Soviet Union and and with really with the leaders 
not realizing that I was a descendant of the Rurks and that my uncle had worked there in the NSA for years. He was the one that set up general headquarters in England, setting up the Five Eyes. But he spoke fluent Russian. He spent a lot of time there. So people knew who he was. And later I learned out they knew who I was. But anyway, with the being right in the inside of all that as the as the Soviet Union came apart, you know, and being invited into all of these uh, previously completely secret uh, meetings and communication centers and weapons factories and all these things I got to see, I started to understand what had happened to those people and um, the way that the uh, Hazarians basically had taken over Russia. They became the Bolsheviks and uh, destroyed Christianity, destroyed Jewish culture because they aren't really Jews either, destroyed mosques, leveled uh, cultural institutions, basically destroyed that culture. And then um, what rose out of that was a corrupted society that I wanted to, to describe because that became the basis of the largest organized crime rings in the world. And uh, there's a way that they all connect together and they basically came out of these torture chambers in the um, children's prisons of Soviet Russia, where these children were taken. Um, mm. Basically, they ran, rounded up all the, the intellectuals, anybody that had a had a spark of spirit, shot them against walls of monasteries, and then took all the children inside the monasteries. And I have films of this. The Russians invited me to the 80th anniversary of children's prisons and gave me all this, these films, this data, children being brought in, shaved, stripped, and, and they've just seen their parents shot outside. They're brought into these prisons, these monasteries that still look like churches. They're raised inside them. They are prisons and they are the worst. And their goal is just like MK Ultra, is to completely break down the psyche. They, they recognize them as their genetic best. I mean, these were the children of the best, the brightest, the, the athletes, the statesmen, the writers, the poets. They took them away from their parents, which is what they'd like to do in the United States, too. They took them away. They locked them up. They broke them down. But they couldn't build them up again. And, and what they got was a horrific uh, culture of children growing up inside these, these prisons. They knew no no family connections, no love connections, no connection really to women. Uh, these were boys, institutions for boys. Their only fealty, their only loyalty is one another. So they have become the criminalized mafia, the Russian mafia. They've become the gang, uh, the series of gangs, which is ultimately more powerful than governments. Yeah. And um, they run the governments. And they're ruthless, and they're international, and they're all hooked up. They're here. And I wanted to tell people about it. Like coming back to the United States, this was like in the in the early 2000s, I started trying to tell people about what was going on and, and the growth of organized crime and how dangerous it was. And couldn't get anyone to pay any attention. I couldn't get people to pay attention to the human trafficking that was going on. So um, I did have a, a an agent who believed in what I was doing, who uh, died a short while ago, but she said, write it as a story. You know, people aren't going to read the history of the Russian mob, starting with the torture of children in in uh, closed down monasteries. <laughs> you know, it's not going to sell, but wrap it in a story. So 
make your main character American and see this through American eyes and um, tell the story. So that's that's what I've done. So you're you're just breaking my heart. I tell you, to think about what has been done to children, you know, it just. Uh, I mean. I can't imagine. I just, you know, it's just, it, it, it just is really, um, you know, we, we need to make a better, this all needs to be known. And I strongly recommend people get Moscow traffic and read it so that we can understand. And again, this isn't, this isn't anti-Russian saying, Hey, hate the, hate the Ruskies and all this type of stuff. This is about trying to understand the situation that we're in so that we can go forward to a better place. I think, I think it's like talking like the Godfather stories. I mean, nobody knew anything about the mafia, the Casa Nostra, any of this until Mario Puzo wrote the Godfather stories. And it, it gave you a fictionalized glimpse into what their life, what their culture, how it got that way, who they were, how they connected. So that's what I'm doing with Moscow Traffic. I mean, it's a good read. It's a novel. The characters are fictional. But right. uh, you will understand the Russian mob, how it got that way, the history of the people, without preachy history telling all this. You, it grips you in the story and takes you there. Yes, and I'm working on Daniel Hopsicker's last book, Gangster Planet, and he came to a lot of the same conclusions that, that you have, uh, Juliet. Bruce, you have a question? Yeah, Julie, I, I pictured organized crime spreading globally from it, these origins in Russia. Is that what you meant to to say or describe? Well, they joined up with uh, other organized crime organizations. A lot of them moved to London. When Putin came to power, he expelled a number of the oligarchs. They're, they are exiled from Russia. So they live in London, they live here, they live in South America, they live in Dubai. Was he run... trying to was he Actually, trying to was he trying to rid Russia of that organized crime element? Yes, yes, and they did. A number of them are are forbidden. They cannot go back into Russia, although they do. To what extent is the Russian government or the major government, even our government, controlled by such criminal elements? I would say quite a lot. I, I don't know specifically. Well, you can see with this Ukraine thing, like why is the U.S. backing this Nazi regime in Ukraine that really has no chance of beating Russia? How have they totally underestimated Russia? How could our intelligence services be that far off? But they were. And, if, and living in Russia at that time and knowing the people that were working at both the Ukrainian embassy and the American embassy, yeah, I can see how they were that far off because it was wishful thinking. They didn't want to believe it. And it's high probability that a lot of them were paid off. So I think the corruption is is huge, runs deep, goes between the, the factions. Um, Russian corruption will be much more subtle than Ukrainian corruption. I don't know. But I do know the people that uh, were running trafficking rings in Moscow when I was there were the reason I had to leave because we were running an underground railroad that was rescuing trafficking victims. But when I came back to the U.S., I discovered that the head of the trafficking ring, who um, I left Moscow to avoid, was living a few miles away in uh, Virginia. So we were tangled in this web 
And I don't know, 2024 is the year I think it all mushes together. And in terms of the the the, fam- the multi-generational families, the other thing those families did was inbreed. And I, I see that in my own family tree. The inbreeding is just, you know, cousins, marry cousins, marry cousins, marry cousins, over and over and over and over. And uh, I think they hit a point a few generations ago where we had a generation of idiots. And uh, I know that the Rurik dynasty did that. It actually, it ruled Russia. It was Ivan the Terrible, and it was the the um, wars that united all of Russia and became the great kingdom from sea to sea. And then the Rurks kept marrying each other. So it got tighter and tighter, and they, they had a generation of complete idiots. They were replaced by the Romanovs. And they, they, it was a difficult period, but uh, I think that's what happens to these families. They, they burn out. And I think we've got burnout in this country. I think we have a lot of idiots well, yes, we, coming we, out of this inbreeding. We have some we have some idiots. Also, I, I'm going to uh, push back on the the word of, of control uh, our governments. OK, I mean, there, there's basically uh, different uh, power centers and uh, different uh, things around the world. And you have a uh, lots of different uh, criminal gangs. Uh, and once the um, breakdown of, uh, you know, civil authority happens you end up with with situations like warlords and 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 different things like that and so it it's it's not that these criminal gangs you know control our government okay the the US government uh but they have to they have to deal with them and they do have uh intersection with with certain parts of our government uh that is corrupt i've been told that like uh, naval intelligence was given an aegis to go off reservation and look back in, okay, because people in the government were determining that there's something hinky going on, but because of the way that the secret societies and the criminal gangs operate, it, it takes some research and some understanding to find out exactly how how it works, how what where where they're corrupting things and where they're uh, putting their people in place. And, you know, when, when I look at the secret societal system and especially Skull and Bones and their grab for power here, they, they did some softening up uh, with the Civil War. But then and, and it was during the Spanish-American War and then their control, a lot of it comes from drugs. Now, uh, Juliet, I want to ask you a, a question. Uh, it, it officially, uh, factors, uh, uh, you know, say that. Russia has uh, about a 5% pop- of their population is daily opium users. Do you have any information about the, the drug use in, in, in Russia? I would think their problem was more alcohol. They were and are very heavy drinkers. No, there, there's definitely a problem with intravenous drug use. And, and when I was there uh, in the early 90s, which is when the the drug use started. That's when all the Soros people came in and were pushing the um, open society concept of it's okay to take drugs, we'll give you clean needles, it's okay to have sex, we'll give you condoms. It was a big moneymaker for a lot of people. So they pushed all this through. And eventually Russia uh, rejected it. Ukraine completely embraced it. So I think all those problems are much more 
pronounced in Ukraine, it was presented to them that wokeness and drug use and promiscuity and feminism and and all this was was the epitome of of Western civilization, and they bought into that. And uh, so Ukraine went woke and Russia went conservative, and uh, I think you're seeing a lot of the results of that today. Yeah, drug smuggling and use is a, a problem all over the place. Now, when you're in Russia. Did you meet any people there that had gone through like an MK Ultra type thing? Then they talked to you about it. Yes, and I visited the prisons, so I met a lot of the psychologists and people that conducted the programs, and they showed me their records. They had, uh, I've I've still got a disc of a of a film they did, um, the induction of children. So you see the children coming in with their shaved heads, and all their possessions have been taken away, and. So the beginning process of re-indoctrination. So I have a lot of that material. And that also triggered me. And I started thinking more about why am I here? Why am I seeing this? What does this mean so much to me? Yeah, they did it. When when Project Paperclip brought all those scientists to the United States, they also brought the other batch. Well, they brought them to UK, to the US, and they also brought them to Russia. And the ones in Russia didn't have the cushy lives as the ones in the U.S. did. And they were given these prisons full of children to, to work on. And they did. They did horrific experiments. They, they took the best and the brightest gene pool in a lot of respects and completely corrupted it into MKUltra destroyed psycholo- uh, sociopaths who are really smart. So that's who's running the the organized crime in uh, Russia, I can say. <laughs> and I can say that they're here also. So uh, it's it's interesting to me that I, I wind up in this position, but I am, so. Right, right. Uh, so so what, what do you want people to uh, take from your books? What are you hoping happens? Well, interestingly, it was sparky. I didn't expect anyone to believe it, but it turns out, what it's done is sort of open a explosion of of other people who've had similar experiences. So now there's a lot more writing and more more presentations. And when I I did a presentation at the Red Pill Expo in uh, November 2021, and uh, that wound up being shown to the Russian Parliament. I was talking about my experience because they knew me. They knew me in Russia. So um, my experience as an MK Ultra subject, and um, they found that. That's shocking and fascinating, and uh, I've I've heard Putin make reference to it uh, when he talks about the problem, the sickness in the Western soul. To me, I consider that a success when people see see the problem because the I'm not going to solve all this, but if I can share my experience and it gets to the people who who can do something, that's the best in the world. My book, Angels Over Moscow. Um, documents my experience of going there and uh, how I became involved in, in reforming maternal and infant health care made a big impact. And not just me, but all the people I worked with on um, health care in Russia and how that evolved into the Angel Coalition, which um, became an underground railroad, which rescued, by the end, we'd rescued 70,000 trafficking victims. And that we did that by working with police all over the world and, and developed a system of rescuing children. And I'm having a heck of a time getting that started here because of, of resistance from all kinds of levels. 
And the third book, the new book, I think is important because uh, it's it's sort of the uh, godfather story of organized crime from Russia. This is it. This is this is your history of how it how it got started, where it came from, how the Russians are 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 uh, fighting this, how how corruption occurs. But it's a damn good story. So uh, it's an exciting read. I, good. I think people will enjoy reading it. Rather than a dry history, the history is all in there, but um, it's a page turner. Twenty twenty four is like we've reached the top of a of a roller coaster, and we don't have seat belts, and we're going over the top, and we don't know what the hell's going to happen. So, I, I'm all I think- I'm all for for good things because I I really think that the the you know, uh, sunlight is the best disinfection, uh, and we've been you know exposing things, and the internet really allows i mean this is a conversation that anybody in the world can uh look into and and can join and and there are people that you know they want a better world for their children okay and there's no reason why we can't have it okay we don't need all this corruption what do people want to do they want to you know they want to live they want to uh you know raise their children um you know so Again, I'm very, very hopeful for the future. Onwards. Onwards, yes.